Yo, this is Pastor Tito, and welcome to the Revolutionary Podcast, where I'm here to help you find Jesus and follow him. Some of you guys may know what's next in the Lord's Prayer. After you pray, they, you know, give us this day our daily bread. The next one is forgiveness, right? We're going to talk about that one, forgiveness. This one's not as fun. Forgiveness is not fun, right? Why? Because, right, we tend to justify forgiveness a lot, don't we? We tend to play uh, forgiveness in our cultures, never really celebrated all the time. And we know it's a good thing. Right? You can talk to anybody, a, a non-believer. You, some of you may be in the house and you're processing or online wondering where you are. You know that this is a common thing. No matter who you are, no matter what you believe, we all know that forgiveness is a good thing. And we all know that forgiveness, when we do it, we feel good, right, when we do it. But then think about that, man. Humanity, us as humans, we are uh, so smart, so capable, yet so dumb at the same time. Literally, like we are the only, probably the only species, the only thing out there that can lie to themselves. You know you're lying to yourself, and you can believe the lie. Just think about just that already right there should humble you, okay? It should humble you big time. And so the thing is, why is forgiveness not always celebrated? Because revenge tends to be celebrated sometimes, right? Forgiveness doesn't always feel right. And that's why we don't do it, right? And here's the thing. We, we're selective with our forgiveness. So-and-so can do the worst. Ah, and I forgive you. So-and-so can do half of what that person did and be like, you're dead to me, right? I mean, that's just what we do. Think about that. Like, we are just selective with how we forgive, who we forgive, according to the circumstances, depending on, well, you forgave me this, but not that. That's who we are. Like, we all know forgiveness is a good thing, but we all have a problem doing it. We all have a problem doing it. And then the worst one is when you and I, when we choose not to forgive, and I've been here too, and, it, and it's hard to forgive because it doesn't feel fair. That's really the good one. It's not fair that I forgive this person. First off, what they did to me was wrong. And you're not exaggerating, all right? Let's just be real. Some of us can like really, you know, you're that person that you, you caught that fish and you're like, you know, it was this big. And you're like, you know, maybe it was this big. You know, like we all like to exaggerate stuff. But let's just be honest. I'll give everybody the benefit of the doubt. For some things that you want to forgive, let's just say this person truly did you dirty. They truly did you dirty. It wasn't fair. It hurt you. We all have those. I guarantee it. And then there's something about us that's like, it's just not, no, it's not fair. For me to forgive them is like me letting them off the hook. No, they deserve, they deserve, more, yeah, they deserve to be on that hook. Look at that. I'm like, they deserve to stay on that hook and rot. All right? That's, a, that's what we do inside. That's what we want to do. And so, but you know what's really sad about this? And this is dangerous as well. 
because we're about to go into some, uh, uh, not some uncharted territory. For some of you, maybe. Um, I've gone whitewater rafting before, did it once. I want to do it again. I can't wait. Anybody, if you've ever done whitewater rafting, cool stuff, Tennessee. There's times in which the river is really calm. It's beautiful. And then there's times that if you're not paying attention, they literally tell you a hundred ways you might die before you start, okay? That's really the, and then the waiver. And just in case we missed one, you can't sue us, all right? But I'm just warning you, right now it's super smooth sailing. We're going to hit some bumpy roads, and my encouragement to you is hang in there. Hang in there when it gets a little rough, when we may go through here, and you may feel the Holy Spirit trying to unopen a door that you had locked and buried, you know, under, a, you know, 100 feet of concrete in your soul. Be careful, because here's the thing about unforgiveness is that you're going to see in a minute, unforgiveness actually has a very negative connotation, has a negative effect on you. Unforgiveness has a negative effect on you to the point that if you, for, you choose not to forgive a person who's at fault, you actually give that person power to still affect you even if they're not in your life anymore. And you know who's to blame? You. You. Now, forgiveness, guys, I know it's hard. But see, this is why the kind of healing and, for, the healing and freedom that we can find to be able to do those things and to be able to go there. The healing and the freedom can only be found in the kind of forgiveness that Jesus first gives. Without that, okay, there's no hope for anything else. And so we're going to look at um, our next portion of the Bible. So let's turn to, we're going to have both verses. Actually, if you want to put them up on the screen, both verses here, we have Luke and Matthew, the two places where we have the Lord's Prayer. I want you to A, B, compare the two of them online. I hope, you know, you should be seeing them as well. They're a little similar and a little different. Luke tends to be the, the, the one in which is a little, um, there's less detail in Luke. Luke is a little bit of a summary of the Lord's Prayer that Jesus previously taught in Matthew. But here, Luke, God is, uh, well, Jesus is actually going a little bit more detail compared to the other one. He, in Luke, he says, and forgive us of our what? Sins. Online, I need you to do this. Type sin for me. Forgive us of our sins, for we ourselves also forgive everyone in debt to us. And now look at in Matthew 6, 12, the first time he taught about this, he doesn't say sins. What does he say? And forgive us our? Forgive us our debts. Online, type that one too. Forgive us our debts as we, has all, have, we have also forgiven our debtors. And so look, there's the similarity there, but there's a tweak. There's a difference. And so if we can um, come up here as we look at this, guys, this is not talking so much about the kind of debt that you and I think of, right? Some of us, already, we already just hit a rock, didn't we? You just, oh, you just reminded me of that credit card debt that I had. Thank you. Thank you so much. I know. We all have debt. The average American's debt is a little nuts. I get it. But um, the thing is that the debt that we have, the debt that we have is not so much a financial one. He's not saying, pray, Lord, I pray that the bank may forgive my debt. Amen. In Jesus' name, I'll have a lot of money that I can do for your glory. All right? And that's, no, you know, that's not the kind of debt. But the debt that we're talking about, the debt that we're speaking to is a sin debt. And this is one thing that maybe you've heard of this. Maybe you haven't. If you've, had it, if you've heard, good. A reminder. When it comes to God, sin is a debt you owe him. Sin is a debt you owe him. And so forgive us of our debts. Guys, I want you guys to understand, and we've all used this term before. Have you ever said this phrase? Somebody did something, you did this, and like, yo, bro, I owe you big time. You ever heard of that one before? Somebody bailed you out, somebody helped you, and like, listen, I owe you big time. Or they do the opposite side, right? They go, they help you, they do this, they do that, and be like, hey, you owe me. I mean, you can't get any more Godfather Mafia, just I'm sorry, than that, right? You just, you just, you're just missing the scratching of the chin, and I was like, 
you know, you know, I scratch your, you know, scratch your back, you scratch mine. You know, I may call in the favor at some point. I'm not a good mafia guy. Don't. I'm, I'm not. But that's it, right? And so notice when we say, I owe you, I owe you, I owe you, you owe me. When it comes to God, we have offended God with our sin. And it is a debt that we owe. And so the only way to pay that off, well, we can't. And that's why, you know, interesting, when Jesus was on the cross, you know what the final words he said on the cross? Right before he died, he said, it is finished, which is actually a term back then, which is a legal term, which it literally meant paid in full. When Jesus said, it is finished, he took on the whole wrath of God to pave off every single one of our debts as he hung in there on the cross and he did not give up his life until every single sin that every human being who has ever lived and will ever live, he paid it all within a few hours. Within a few hours. I mean, if you've ever heard of the term hell, hell is a place where you go to pay the debt of sin that you owe. And guess, the, guess what the term is there? Eternity. Because you cannot pay back the, the, what you have done with God, even if you had a lifetime and eternity to do it. You couldn't. And think about what happened to Christ in those few hours on the cross. He paid for our eternal debt in a few hours. What kind of God is that? And he said, it is finished, paid in full. So if he said that, then why is he telling us to still, God, forgive me? We're going to talk about that. So let's look at this. Let's look at our first point for today. If you're taking notes, it is this. Forgiveness is essential for freedom from sin. We're going to talk about what, you know, sin is essential. I'm not saying not sin is essential. Sin is not essential. No, it is the other one. Forgiveness is essential. For a couple of things. The one, for the per first one is that one. Forgiveness is essential for the freedom from sin. Now, if you've ever heard of John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not die, will not be in, will not have that eternal um, separation from the love of God in hell, but that they would have eternal life. And so what is the believing in John 3, 16? What is that? That you believe that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. And that you believe that Christ did live, and not only live, but loved you that he, so much that he died on the cross and accomplished this for us. And that he desires to forgive us of our sins. And so listen, the only way that you can find freedom from this world, freedom from sin, freedom from darkness, is when you ask God to forgive you of your sins. That's the freedom, and forgiveness is essential for that freedom. Without it, guys, you can't break free. You can't get out on good behavior, okay? There's no parole in heaven. There's none of one of those situations being like, all right, you know, so no. There's no if, ands, or buts. Sin is worse than any of us can ever imagine. But that makes the love of God better than anything that we can ever comprehend. And so that salvation is important, but what Jesus is saying here when he says, forgive us of our debt, Forgive us, God. God, forgive us of our sins. God, forgive us of our debt. He's not talking about salvation prayer there. That's assuming. What Jesus is doing, he's, he's talking to Christians. He's talking to believers that have already prayed, Lord, forgive me of all of my sins. And he does. And I, good news, guys, I want you to know, when God forgave you of your sins, when you asked and called on him and you made him Lord of your life, he forgave you not only of your past sins, he forgave every future sin that you would ever do all at one time. Every single sin is covered by the blood of Jesus. So then what is this forgiveness for? If he's forgiven us all of our sins, why is he asking us to daily pray? 
forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of our sins. Because this has nothing to do with salvation. This has everything to do with our sanctification. Sanctification, guys, is us growing in the Lord. Let me give you a shocking statement here. Okay? Christians still sin. Now, I say that. Because there's, there's still even some circles that believe that you can level up to a place in this world that is a Christian that you'll never sin again. Guys, no. You know how I know that and I can assume that? Because Jesus created a fail-safe in the Lord's Prayer. If Jesus says to his believers, hey, I need you to pray daily, Lord, forgive us of our debts, that's God assuming that we will fall in the future. You see that? And so he, and here's the thing, guys, he knows you are going to fall. And I know I've been there with some of us, man, when, when God forgives you of your sins, it just feels so amazing. The last thing you want to do, I've been there, is like go back, right? The last thing you want to do is, is and maybe you, I, I did this for years where I was very paranoid. I was very paranoid of like slipping and falling away from the Lord again. And I was too like, oh my gosh. And so I was like trying too hard not to get dirty again. But the fact that Jesus says, hey, I want you to pray this, is God knowing. I know that you're, as you learn, as you grow, you're going to have some slip-ups, and I know that already. So guess what, guys? Just pray to, for me to forgive you. I mean, can, can you just catch how cool that is? That God knows, and when you mess up again, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did it again. God's not like, oh. So we're doing this? We're doing it again? Really? We're here? We're still here? Nice. All right. I forgive you. Okay. I mean, God does. I think we tend to think like that and we project our own fears on God. But when God has put in the Lord's prayer, ask me, forgive us of our debts to you when we sin against you. That's because not now God's not happy with that. Not just because God says, hey, you can ask for forgiveness to forgive you. Doesn't mean we got a free license to do whatever we want. It's just that knowledge to know that, guys, we are even free from failure. I want you to understand that the forgiveness that Christ gives you is not only freedom from the past, it is also freedom for the future. That you are free from failure. To know that you can run and after the Lord, and if you trip and fall and trying to figure it out and stumble, it's okay. Get back up and walk again. Turn to the Lord and, and pick up where you left off. Guys, we are free from failure when we want to follow Christ. That's a good thing. And that should motivate us to, we definitely want to be careful, right? Because we don't want to keep failing, but that's super cool. And you know what this prayer also does at the very beginning when it says, God, forgive us of our sins. Right after the daily bread too. Because the daily bread can be very easy for us to be like, gimme, 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 right? But already the next one is, but forgive us of our sins towards God. That is a prayer of humility. It's a humble prayer. And I, I want you guys to know everything has been humble so far. You can't say, may your name be honored as holy. May your name be honored as holy, not mine. May your kingdom come, not mine. May your will be done, not mine. Give us this day our daily bread. That is a place of surrender. You see that, guys? You are humbling yourself before the Lord, positioning yourself. And when you say, and give us, not just give us daily bread, but forgive us. It is the, the heart behind your prayers, guys, should always be one of humility. That understand, remember, I've heard somebody say this, I think it was R.C. Sproul, he said, when you pray, remember who you're talking to and remember who's doing the talking. Remember who God is when you pray. Humble yourself before the Lord, scriptures over and over again. And then remember who you are. You're not him, okay? You're not him. 
but he is him, all right? I know that's horrible grammar, but that's culture, all right? So anyways, moving on. So, and uh, guys, I want you to know when it talks about who is God, God is a forgiving God. Just already there when he says, forgive us of our debts that we collect during the day. Remember the sanctification thing. This is part of washing. When God has washed you of your sins, you are clean. But as we live in this world, we can still kind of catch the darkness and the dirtiness of this world. And so when we recognize those things, we need to be able to humble ourselves because a, an unrepentant person or a deceived Christian always finds a way to rationalize sin. An unbeliever or a deceived Christian will always find a way to rationalize. Well, listen, man, you don't know what they did. You don't know what they said. And we always find a way to say, ah, oh, you know what, it's not that bad, all right? We always find a way to rationalize it. A humble, mature, growing Christian always recognizes sin. They don't rationalize it, they recognize it. And when you recognize it, God, forgive me of my sin. Lord, I just realized I'm a little, I'm a little uh, still impatient. God, forgive me. Forgive me. I'm still a little impatient there. I just had that moment. God, forgive me. I, I, I'm, I, I didn't have self-control the way that I should have. Like, if you find the areas in which you're failing, right, and so you have to be able to say, Lord, I still need help in this area. Forgive me. Forgive me of my faults. But, but it is one that you ought to do with love. Every time I'm telling you, there's something about, and I, I've seen an experience, a benefit. Let me share this with you. Every time I sin, which happens, no. Ah, really? Yes, it does. Every time I sin, I've tried to develop this discipline of hum humility before the Lord, like saying, I did not honor you. I did not honor you in that attitude. I did not honor you in that act. You know, I did not honor you in that way. Remember, let your name be honored as holy. I did not honor you in that way. And sin corrupts the kingdom, which is the relationship with my God. And if I sinned, I didn't do his will. I did mine, right? But every time I pray to ask God to forgive me of a future fault that I do, I'm reminded again of the fact that I know I'm asking you to forgive me, but you already have. Remember, when you ask God to forgive you of all your sins, he already forgave that one thing that I just did. So every time I sin, it actually reminds me of, I can't believe I just did that. You knew I was going to do that, and you still forgave me? You knew I was going to do that all those years ago, and you still forgave me. It should, every time you fall in the future, you should fall forward into his arms and be reminded again of his great love for you. That's what that should be every time you fall in the, and, and you, you fail in that moment. Now, why should we ask to forgive? Because now we got to own up to it. You see what I'm saying? I own up to that. I own up to what just happened, God. I thank you that you have forgiven me, but I'm humbling myself once again because I got to own up that was on me. You see it? And guys, again, look at who God is because he, God does something you and I can't do. But because he does it, he can help us. Jeremiah 31, 34. Let me read this one to you. Jeremiah had a vision of Jesus, a vision of the cross, hundreds of years before Jesus ever died. And Jesus ever did this. And in Jeremiah chapter 31 and all the way in 32, he is prophesying about what is going to happen one day. And that one day would be when Jesus comes. And in Jeremiah 31, 31, 32, he says this for one, one example. This, will, this one will not be like the covenant I made with your ancestors on the day that I uh, took them by the hand and led them out of Egypt. Uh, my covenant with them, and that's not the verse at all. I'm reading the wrong one. Verse 31, 34. No longer will one, there it is. No longer will one teach his neighbor or his, or his brother saying, know the Lord, for they will all know me. From the least to the greatest of them, this is the Lord's declaration. And then he says, uh, for I will forgive their iniquity, which is sin, and never again remember their sin. Never again. 
Guys, Jesus, he was prophet, Jeremiah was prophesying about Jesus, about what he would do one day with that new covenant. And guys, I want you to understand, this is hard to believe for some of you. This is hard to believe. But when you ask God to forgive you of your sins, he can not only forgive you of your sins, but choose not to remember it ever again. To him, it's like it never happened. Talking about an all-powerful superpower, right? Selective memory there. But it is what he does. God, and I'm here to tell you some good news here. That You know what that is saying? That God will never hold your past against you. People hold your past against you. You hold your past against yourself. I get it. Especially if you're a Christian, you may have fallen and disappointed God, and you just hold that still. You're holding that against you as another reminder of just how much you suck, how much you are unworthy of this God and unworthy of this love. And you are just a nothing and a nobody. But the more you're not supposed to hold, why hold the past against you when God does not? Let it go. Let it go. When you ask God to forgive you of your sins, he takes it, chucks it. It's like it never happened. And that's how we're called to live. Now, we, re, we ought to remember, learn our lessons. But guys, this is a forgiving God who does not hold our past against us. No wonder Paul says in Corinthians, love holds no record of wrong. God does not hold records of wrong with people that he's forgiven. Guys, God doesn't hold receipts. We do. People do, but God doesn't hold receipts. And so no matter what you fall, it's a reminder, I'm unworthy. But every time you fall and you recognize I'm unworthy, you got to remember he's already forgiven this in the future and desired me to forgive me today. And so, Lord, I'm unworthy. But it's a reminder of saying, you are worthy. I'm unworthy, but you are worthy. And that causes us to just continue to walk forward, not backwards, not sit idle. So you see the forgiveness that we're talking about? There's a lot of, free, there's a lot of freedom that happens when we're forgiven. We're freed from the past. We're freed from the fear of the future, failure of the future. So much freedom that happens when it comes to forgiveness. But let me tell you the, the other part. What else is forgiveness essential for? Forgiveness is essential for fellowship with two people. First one is we're going to do is God. Forgiveness, listen, is essential for fellowship with God himself. We said a minute ago, when you asked God as a believer, you asked God, forgive me of my sins, you're owning up to it. It's like a good relationship, guys. Let's be honest. All right? Can you think of any uh, marriage or child or friendships in which one person does not own up to their own mistakes and faults? Right? How is that going to happen? You're just going to pretend that you didn't just say that right now? Are you just going to pretend? Look, you can pretend all you want. You can come up right now and drop kick one of my kids in the face. But then you just can't come up to me. And be like, hey, you want to grab some coffee? D Bro, I just saw you do that. You can't pretend that just didn't happen. Right? What? what? You gotta let's let's talk about that first. And you better start talking quick. All right. And so, right? And so that's that reality. So, guys, listen, it's important for us to recognize our faults before God, not ignoring them. Because you gotta own up to it. You know, because God is like that. I'm like, wait, we're just not gonna talk about what just happened? <laughs> All right? We're not just going to talk about how you just yelled at so-and-so. We're not just going to talk about, about what you just did right now. And, and we're going to pretend like it's all good. No, we got to talk about that. Any good relationship. That's good marriage advice, by the way. You just own up to it right away. All right? But so that's it. And same thing with God, guys. Forgiveness is essential for fellowship with God. Can I read you a crazy verse that happens in Matthew a little bit after that might, you might be confused with? And that's why it's talking about forgiveness. I'm going to kill it. Watch. A little bit in Matthew, he talks about forgive, right? Ask God, forgive me some of my sins if I forgive others. Skip down two verses. Verse 14 and 15, Jesus says this immediately after. 
He says, for if you forgive others of their offenses to you, your heavenly Father will forgive you too. But if you don't forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive you. That's a scary little verse there. What does that mean? Now, guys, I want you to know that this does not mean that your salvation can be revoked, all right? You know, God does not issue like an order. All right, you know, it's not like Amazon out there. He doesn't issue an order saying salvation for, you know, John Smith over there. He did it on this day, on that day. Salvation there. And then he sees two weeks later, you chose not to forgive your mom. Oh, bro, revoke that nonsense, all right? Yo, get back. I need to return to sender. Cancel that order. Cancel that salvation order, guys, because this guy, he's not forgiving all right, you're going to forgive? Okay, cool. Then the next day you do it again. God, listen, this is not, Jesus is not talking about that, the fact that you can lose your salvation. All right? Because if, if you could lose it, you could find it. And if you could find it, then why would Jesus matter? So listen, you can't lose it. That's not what he's talking about here. What he's talking about is this. He says, listen, if you choose to not forgive someone else, it hurts our relationship with you. I can't, I can't forgive something that you don't want to be forgiven. Does that make sense? And when we sin against others, we sin against God, and it hurts our relationship with him. When we choose not to forgive, it messes with our fellowship with God. Some of you may wonder, that it's been happening to me, it happened at times. Well, I don't know, man, I just feel far from God. I feel far from God. You know what's the fastest way to feel far from God? Hold unforgiveness in your heart. Hold unforgiveness in your heart and watch how far you feel and how fast you get there. That's what he's saying. But what he's saying is, but if you forgive... Hey, there's, I, I'm good. But if you choose not to forgive, that's an issue there. You know, Jesus actually talks about this. He brings it back up later. I think Peter heard this one time. And uh, he heard this message in Matthew 6. And I think it was messing with him. Because in Matthew 18, let me double check Matthew 18. Uh, Matthew 18, Peter brings this back up again. Because Jesus is on topic. And so sometime later, we don't know, the message comes up. And this is Peter asking a question. Is that verse 21? Okay, hold on. Before we go to 21, um, if you want to come back to me, I'm going to give you a prequel here. So I think that what Jesus said there messed with Peter a while ago, because in previously, in verse 15 and 19, uh, 15 through 20 before this, Jesus is saying, listen, as Christians, as believers, you need to make sure you hold to the unity of the faith in forgiving one another. And if someone has sinned against you, he says this, if someone sins against you, Go and tell them their fault. Some of us don't got that problem, right? Some of us don't got a problem going and telling somebody else what they did wrong, all right? We're good there. But here's, uh, this is the other thing, by the way. Jesus said, if somebody offends you, you don't wait for them to come ask for an apology. You go to them and confront them of what they did. Hey, listen, I just need you to know that hurt. Or, hey, I, I need you to know I, I, I didn't like that, okay? Jesus puts the responsibility on the abused to confront the abuser and say, that is not right. That isn't right. And then he says this, check this out. He says, listen, you confront them and you want to iron it out. And he's talking about Christians. He ironed it out, five, figure it out. And, and if hopefully they ask for forgiveness and then you are to forgive them. But if for some reason that person is too, in, in, in Spanish, cabezón, you know, it's, it's like, you know, hard-headed, but cabezón is like big-headed, whatever, same thing, right? They're too fat-headed there. If this person doesn't want to own up to what they did, then he says, Jesus says, bring in a, sec a third party. Go directly to this person. Figure it out. If you can't iron it out, bring in a third party and let that person mediate the situation. Try to work it out. And if you can, great. And if that person is still being stubborn, then you got to treat them like a non-believer. Now, that can be hard. 
But you know what that is? Someone's like, oh, well, treat him like a non-believer. Oh, you're, you're dead to me. Get away from me. Ah, oh, this and that. You're just going to hell now. Time out, guys. How are Christians supposed to treat non-believers? With love, patience, and kindness. So if there is a Christian, if there is a Christian who is so deceived in their heart that they cannot own up to what they did against you, how do you win over a brother and a sister? With loving kindness, not with anger and rage. It is kindness that leads us to repentance. That's when Jesus then says, if two or three people are gathered together, there I will be. And that has nothing to do with the Sunday morning sermon, okay? That has nothing to do with services. If anybody ever quotes, guys, hey, we're two or three. We're two or three people are gathered. There's Jesus. Here he is. Is that true? Yes. Is that what Jesus said? No, it's not what he meant. Because if you're by yourself, is Jesus there? Do you need at least a plurality of people? No, if you're by yourself, Jesus is there too. So what is Jesus saying when two or three people are gathering? Who are the two or three people he was talking about? When two or three people are trying to iron out a situation and to resolve conflict and to restore relationships, there I am in the midst of that because I don't like it when my kids fight. You feel me? That's what that is. It's better than the other way we use it. That's cheap. Is it, that's a cheap way of using it. Jesus says even if two, when two or three people are there trying to resolve a conflict, there I am. I'm there to help you. I'm there to help. Because Christ desires and wants our unity there. And so you just keep forgiving and keep doing these things. And that's when Peter opens up his mouth, and we're going to go to verse 21. Peter opens up his mouth and he says, well, what happens? Let's just read it, right? Because what if this person that, I, that, that, that I'm telling them they did wrong, what if they, what if they don't believe? What if, what if they don't ask for forgiveness? I'm going to run this whole thing. Let's look at the story. I'm going to let Jesus speak. Peter then, now we can put it on. So if you've been looking at the screen the whole time, no matter, that's good. Here we go. Peter then, in response to what Jesus just said, Peter approached him and said, okay, Lord, but how many times must I forgive my brother? How many times? What if he hurts me again? What if we iron it out and he does it again? And we iron it out and he does it again. And he iron it out and he does it again. How many times do I got to go through this process? This process isn't fun. This process sucks. This process is difficult. Why? How many more times? Seven? I, I really think he was trying to be desperate there. Seven times? The Jews had a three strike and you're out kind of a rule. So three strikes, I'll give you three strikes. After that, you're done. So Paul was like saying, at least look, let me, let me be fancy. Twice. I'm going to double it up plus one. Seven times is seven enough? And Jesus says, all right, let me tell you something. Seven is not enough. Seventy times seven. For those math whiz, 490 times. All right, some of you all beat me. Some of you are like, oh, thank God, because I wasn't going to do that math in my head. Okay. Now, is Jesus saying 490 times? Okay, cool. Let's just pretend to be literal there. How many times, if you've got like 50 people that, that you have to keep forgiving, and you've got to keep track of 490 times for each individual, at one point, it's exhausting, right? It's impossible. So what Jesus is saying is, keep doing it. Keep forgiving. Really? Now Jesus gives the why. I know it's hard. Some of you, some of you, I'm ready. Have we hit a rock yet? Some of y'all hit some rocks. I've got to keep forgiving that person? How many more times? Jesus actually gives why you have to forgive, even if you have to give, forgive that person every day for the rest of your life. He gives the reason why you should forgive. Let's tell the story. For this reason, why? The reason of unforgiveness. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who wanted to settle his debt accounts with his servants. When he began to settle accounts, one who owed him 10,000 talents, which was uh, brought before him. 10,000 talents, guys, it, think about this as like 10 billion dollars it's 
you cannot live enough lifetimes to earn that much money, okay? It's rare, okay? You're not Elon Musk. That, that's a fluke, okay? So it's just an obnoxious amount of money that you cannot pay off. So he says to him, since he did not have the money to pay it back, the master commanded that he, his wife, please listen to this if you're married, and if you want to get married one day, his wife, his children, and everything he had be sold to pay the debt. At this, the servant fell down to the face, uh, face down and before the master and says, be patient with me. I, I promise I'll pay you everything, knowing he could not, but he still begged for mercy. Then the master of the servant had compassion. He released him and forgave him the loan. The servant went out. The servant then went out and found a fellow servant. Another translation is a fellow brother. He, a fellow servant who owed him about 100 denarii, which is about three months' salary. And he says, he grabs him. He starts choking this dude and says, pay me what you owe. And then the guy sits at this. The fellow servant fell down very much like the other one. He fell down and began saying, no, 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 be patient with me. I'll pay you back. Just give me three months. I can do this. Pay me. I'll pay you back. But this person was unwilling, 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 not unable not unable, unwilling. He was unwilling to forgive him. Instead, he went through him into a prison until he could pay what he owed. When the other servants saw what had taken place, they were deeply distressed. They went and reported to the master everything that, that had happened. Then after this, he summoned him and the master said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all of that debt because you begged me. And shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had had mercy on you? And because of his, what emotion do we see here? Anger. Anger. Because of his, because he was angry, his master hauled him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay everything that was owed. And here's the kicker. Jesus now says, end of story so also will my heavenly Father do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. It's uncomfortable, isn't it? <laughs> Wait a minute. We know heavenly Father, heavenly Father, heavenly Father. Dad's mad, okay, yeah. Dad gets mad sometimes. Heavenly, his anger. What is Jesus? Some of you have heard that story. Maybe you haven't even connected to everything else. Jesus literally gave this analogy to say, why should you keep forgiving? Let me tell you what happens when you don't forgive. Now, this story, guys, is not a person, an unregenerate believer. Some people say, well, like, well if, if you really, if God has forgiven you of your sins, then you're going to live different, right? You're going to treat people better. You're going to love others and forgive others. Yes, amen on that. That's true. But this is not that. This is a story of, again, Jesus is doing in context, how are Christians supposed to treat one another when they do wrong? And I know some of you guys online here, you have had Christians who have done you dirty. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? Here, Jesus is saying, what do you do with that? Ask for forgiveness. So notice, the loan was paid off, by the way. And by the way, in the back end, you know, you know what the king didn't do? The king did not reinstate the loan. The king didn't say, hey, you know, you owed me, right? And so I've noticed in the, he spoke in the past tense. I forgave that debt. That, that debt is gone. So what is he being tortured for? Not the previous debt that was forgiven. There's a debt now. The unforgiveness of the one act of not forgiving that one person. That's the debt that he owes. 
That's the debt that this person owes now. So what is Jesus warning us about? Guys, I got it. Y'all got to catch this. The reality is, is that, listen, this is going to be a hard, but there's good news here. Jesus is trying to tell you there is no limit to love. There is no limit to the love of God. So it doesn't matter how many times somebody hurts you. You must forgive them. There is no, you cannot put a limit to your love. Some of you, that's hard to hear, but that's actually good. The fact that there's no limit to God's love. Why? Because if there was a limit to love, there would be a limit, guys, and you and I exceeded that limit with our sin. If there was a limit to love, you and I would not have any hope. But because there is no limit to the love of God, all of our sins can be forgiven. Do you hear that? There is no limit to the love of God. That is a good thing to know. And in that same way, because there is no limit to his love, now we are called to reflect that love on others and to forgive them. Why? For their benefit? A little bit, yes. But it's also for yours. You know what ha Jesus tells the story. You know what happens when you don't forgive somebody else? What happened to this dude? He got hauled off to the what? Back into jail and handed over to the torturers. Not executioners. Executioners would have spoken of eternal damnation and that kind of stuff. He was handed over to torturers. You know what unforgiveness does? When you, choose to when you choose not to forgive somebody, okay, sometimes we choose somebody does something to us and it offends us, it hurts us. And so then we build up walls. Why? Because these walls are meant to be built up because I got hurt last time. I, I got close to somebody. I got hurt too much. So we build these walls to protect us. We build these walls so that I, wanna, I don't want to go through that pain ever again. I don't want to be hurt like that again. So we build these walls to protect ourselves only to end up building a prison of our own making. You are now in jail on a prison you built. And do you know what happens? You are now tortured by things like bitterness, rage, unforgiveness, darkness. You know what I would love to add? No one wants to go and study this one. I wonder how much mental health issues that are out there are honestly not so much, there's biological things, I get it, but I wonder how much unforgiveness things are out there that, I'm sorry, how much mental health issues that are out there that are actually can be rooted to the fact that there's so much unforgiveness in that person's heart. You are a tortured soul. You are a tortured soul if you hold unforgiveness in your heart. And now there's anger towards God. Why? Is he angry at you because you failed? No, he's angry because of what's happening to you. He doesn't want to see you hurt. He doesn't want to see these things happen. But because God is a just and righteous and good God, he has to allow that. That is just. And notice the good thing, guys. At the very end, he says, this will happen to all of you until you forgive. So you know what the good news of that is? If that person who was owed and thrown into the jail, you know what Jesus is pretty much saying? That debt will also be forgiven too. If he owns up and says, I am sorry, I should have forgiven that person. And then now you would be set free. And now you can experience that healing. And all of those things that happen, guys, I'm telling you, there's a probably a lot of, you know, parental issues. A lot of the, the kids stuff is just the kids and all the holding unforgiveness of the parents. And a lot of maybe parents, if you're a parent, you're still holding unforgiveness to your own parent. And that's damaging. The, you're, and you're repeating the cycle. There is a lot of torture that happens unnecessarily when you hold unforgiveness. So do you see why, guys, you ought to forgive this person over and over again? Because there's freedom in forgiveness. You punish, you don't punish that person by unforgiving them. You punish yourself, but you actually hurt them too. What happened to that dude? He owed him three months salary. What did he do? He threw him in jail too. 
you hurt someone else. You hurt people when you hold unforgiveness in your heart. You hurt them. You hurt yourself. And remember at the very beginning, him, his wife, his kids, you can hurt the people most closest to you. All for the fact that you are allowing some other person to cause so much hurt in you that now you're hurting the people that you love and had, that's collateral damage. Do you see why we should, do you, aren't you even seeing why, why is Jesus put, ask, put in the prayer, put it in there. Ask God, forgive me and forgive others. Why? Because it's a dark place here. This is unnecessary torture, guys. You have to go through. But the good news, guys, is this, that once you give your heart to God, he can empower your heart to do crazy things, including forgiving. You want to see a miracle happen? You want to see signs and wonders? When a person forgives somebody from their heart, that is a miracle every single time. In the book of Ephesians, Paul's, look, like, this, is the, this is our default setting, guys. This is our default setting here in Ephesians 4. Jesus, uh, Paul is talking about this, 4.25. He says this very thing, uh, put away, uh, put on the new self, not on the old. Walk in this new thing that God, be willing is the key word. He says, speak the truth to others and your neighbors. Verse 26, be angry and don't sin. Be angry and don't sin. Why do so many of us, we don't want to forgive others? A lot of times because we're angry. And so here Paul is quoting Psalms 4.4, by the way. That's an Old Testament verse in the New Testament. Psalms 4.4, it says, be angry and do not sin. Guys, that's good news. You know, you, can, you know anger is not a sin? I don't know if you know that. For some of you, anger is an emotion that God has given us. It's a good one. Now, it's corrupted because of sin, but you know what? You can be angry and not sin. And you know what righteous anger is? When somebody truly did something wrong and it really upsets you. You guys see it. When you see injustice in the world, it, it boils your blood, doesn't it? That's righteous anger because there's something deep down inside of you that knows that sh that's not right and things shouldn't be that way. That's not right and things shouldn't be that way. That's righteous anger. But because of your sin, it is a ticking time bomb. The more you don't deal with that anger correctly, it will lead you to sin. And then somebody can been un did an unjust thing, and you can be rightfully mad for what they did, but now you are going to do an unjust act in, the, in, in response to an unjust thing, or you are going to live an unrighteous way because of some unrighteousness that happens because you let that anger get to you and you didn't deal with it quick enough. You see what I'm saying? Guys, that anger, we bring it to the Lord. And we bring those emotions to the Lord, but it is a default setting now. It is a default setting, guys, and that's God, that is our default setting, which God can now, this is what, what you see as a, as a Christian. It's like deep down, it's like, I don't want to forgive that person for what they did, but you're fighting it because you really want to, but you don't, you don't, you don't, until it's finally, all right, I forgive them. Before, you're like, Psh, I don't know, no, okay, that was easy. You weren't like, oh, I'm going to try to forgive him. I'm going to try to forgive him. Nah, forget that guy. That's prior to Christ. Now in Christ, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Jesus, I forgive them. That's a default setting that God is, guys, it's expected in there. In fact, Colossians 3, 4, 12, and, uh, says the same thing, 12 and 14. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy, dearly beloved, put on compassion. There's kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven you. Guys, I don't know if you even caught that Lord's prayer. He says, forgive us of our sins. Notice that Jesus didn't say, forgive us of our sins and help me to forgive others. That's not how we're supposed to pray. Do you know what the prayer was? Forgive us of our sins as I have forgiven, as I am forgiving. It's assumed. It's assumed. You understand this is what I do. 
forgiving is what I do. And you ask God to forgive you because you need that. It's important. And so this is why the third and final one, guys, is this. Do you see why you need this for fellowship with God? But not only do you need forgiveness for fellowship with God, you need this for fellowship with others. Guys, forgiveness is, it heals things so quickly. Again, there's that, that anger side that we were just talking about, right? That anger. If, if there's anger inside between you and someone else, that's going to kill a relationship faster than anything else. Uh, do you not even remember? Some of you know this. The Ten Commandments, right? Thou shalt not kill. Jesus later says, if you have anger in your heart, it's like murder. So how can you, ang- how can you be angry and not sin? Because when the anger turns into, I'm angry over the situation, Versus becomes, I'm angry with you. Anger, unchecked anger in your heart will kill and murder a relationship. You catch that? Why does Jesus equivalent, why, why does he make anger the equivalent to murder? Because anger in your heart, you, you're, gonna, you're not murdering in their life, but you're murdering them, you're murdering the relationship in your heart. That's what anger does. It kills relationships. So you got to be able to deal with that. And that's why you got to deal with it quickly. He actually says in Ephesians, he says, be angry, don't be angry, do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your anger. You know what that means? Don't let the sun go down on your anger. It says deal with it that day. Because of this, the longer you let anger settle, the more influence darkness has in your life. Have you guys ever heard of this? Uh, can we put the, that picture up? There's uh, Archimedes has this quote. He says, give me a lever long enough and I will move the world. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. A lever is the simplest of all machines, right? The, a lever is designed that if you have, a, again, a long enough lever, you can, you can actually move a lot of weight with less effort. And the longer the lever, the less, in, the less effort you can put, and it'll actually move very, very heavy things that you could not move in your own strength. When you let anger linger longer and longer and longer and longer, listen, the kingdom of darkness doesn't even have to try anymore. They can barely try, and they can affect you and move you in the wrong way. The more you let anger settle, it will address the kingdom of darkness and any demon or whatever can just trigger you easily and move you into a way you don't want to go. But then it works the other way, guys. The shorter, the the longer, and the more you linger in with the, the love of the Lord, the light of the Lord, the more the Holy Spirit can influence your heart and to allow you to forgive and empower you to do the impossible. So it's about influence here. Anger, guys, is important. This is why we have to forgive others. But then I got two good questions. You can, you can turn that, that screen off. I, wanna, I want camera guys, I want you to look at me. I want you, everybody say on the other side of Facebook, I want you to hear me. Because you probably got two good questions here. Okay, well, maybe Peter asked that question. How many more times? Because this is, this is, this is frustrating. So I knew, I, I was like, oh, God forgives me, but I don't feel it. And it was a lot of me. I kept on holding up my past against me. I was holding up the very thing that he forgave me from. I kept on remembering it. He didn't. It was me. But you know what I was doing, and I didn't realize that I was doing it until it was too late? I didn't believe that God could forgive me. I asked God, forgive me of my sins. But then when I look at the sin, I'm going to be like, that's a big one. And I never felt forgiven because I, deep down, this is embarrassing to say, but I'm glad I'm saying it. I'm, I'm glad I figured this out. Or God showed me. I didn't believe that he could forgive that. That's why I never felt forgiven. I was like, what I did, what I had become, all of these things, all of these things, I, I don't feel forgiven because in my heart, I truly believed I outsinned his love until I remember one day he just showed me. He was like, are you tired? And I was exhausted. And then I'm like saying, just believe 
that I actually love you that much that I can't forgive. And I remember, I don't know what I did. I just, it was just deep down. It's like I finally surrendered and said, okay, I believe. And I just felt like if it was lava pouring all over me because it was just burning away the shame and the guilt and all of these things that I held on. And so I want to encourage some of you, like if you've been, you haven't felt forgiven, let me just challenge you. It's going to be a hard word to hear. It's because you truly believe that God can't forgive what you've done. Or maybe you're holding it on to it because you feel like God doesn't deserve, he shouldn't forgive, and you're right. That's righteous anger. But just because he shouldn't doesn't mean he can't and doesn't want to. Give it up. Give it up and let him love you. That was my thing. I didn't let him love me because I didn't want him to. I felt I was punishing myself unnecessarily in a, in a jail of torture. But guys, listen, if that is you, you cannot forgive yourself, but you can believe in Christ to receive that forgiveness. That's it. That's all you're supposed to do is believe that his love, the blood of Jesus was enough to forgive and set you free. He can. There is not one sin, guys, that he cannot forgive. And it's important. Guys, forgiveness is essential. That's why Jesus put it in there, the Lord's Prayer. In fact, if you can kind of connect all the Lord's Prayer, here's why forgiveness matters. Here's why unforgiveness is dangerous because see, God put, Jesus put the Lord's prayer in there. He put in, ask for forgiveness of others, a rhythm of forgiving others and asking God to forgive you. Why? Because God cannot move in an unforgiving heart. God cannot move in an unforgiving heart. To choose to not forgive is not how you honor his name as holy because he is a forgiving God. When you choose refuse to forgive, the kingdom of God is not expanding. It's the kingdom of darkness at that moment. When you choose not to forgive, you are not doing his will. You are doing your will because it is his will for you to forgive. And so here's where that daily bread comes in. The daily bread is the truth of God that fuels and empowers us. And sometimes the truth of God reveals the truth of who you are. And, the tr and when, listen, when you get into it, you're, you're experiencing it right now. I am giving you bread that you're biting that's biting you back. When you eat and consume the truth of God, the truth of, the truth of God is going to show you who he is, and it's going to show you even more where your faults. And so this should lead you to the point, no matter, no wonder the prayer of the word of God and the bread of goes first, because the bread of God will show you areas in which there's still growth. And so what should you do? Lord, forgive me of what you're just showing me in this area. I am more unforgiving. I'm holding on to anger too much. You, if you're feeling that, then this is what's how this works. And, but now you got to respond because if the truth shows you something and you're like, no, you're chewing it, but you're spitting the, you're spitting it back out. You're spitting it back out. But see, guys, that, there's nothing more. If you want to honor God as holy, you forgive others. If you want to, his kingdom to expand, it happens when you forgive others. When you want his will to be done, it happens when you forgive others. And when you consume the word and the truth of God in that daily bread, it will give you the power and the ability to forgive others. But God cannot move in an unforgiving heart. It has to be addressed because he loves you and needs Again, there's that thing about forgiveness, right? Forgiveness is freedom. Guys, forgiveness is freedom. That's that last point that I just want to remind you again. It's freedom. That's why Jesus says to pray it every day. That's why we ought to not only pray, God, forgive me of my sins so our fellowship with him doesn't get interrupted, but also forgive. You should be forgiving others because there is freedom in forgiveness. There is freedom there. And so I'm going to challenge you right now as we're, around, as, as we're wrapping up. I want you to challenge you because there's two big questions that you got to ask before we move. And if you don't ask it well, if you don't respond well, 
Again, God cannot move in an unforgiving person. So the first thing, first question I want you to think about is this. What needs to be forgiven? What do you need to ask God for forgiveness? What do you need? I'm pretty sure you have a laundry list. And maybe you've been trying to, it's been hard to focus with me because you've been hearing everything else. You got to ask right now, what do you need to ask God for forgiveness? What area of your life are you falling short in? Do not. If you're feeling conviction, good. But don't wallow in self-guilt. That is not what that's for. Do not wallow in your self-guilt. God wants to set you free from that. And so what you need to do is this, Lord, forgive me for my anger. I, 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 let, I, don't, I, I bottle things up and I don't address it and it gets worse and I make things worse and I hurt more people and hurt myself. Maybe it's your impatience. Maybe it's your lack of kindness. Maybe some of you have cut people off instead of just dusting the, you know, you know shaking the dust off and you've wrote somebody off. There's a lot that you can probably be thinking. I want you to think about that, and I'm going to give you a space right now to say, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I have sinned against you. And then the other question I want you to ask, and this will probably, for some of you, that last one was hard, but it's going to be easier than this one. Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to forgive? That can be hard for some of you because maybe there's somebody that you need to forgive that maybe they're no longer alive. And now you wish you could forgive them and restore that, and that's no longer there. I understand. But it doesn't mean you can't experience freedom when you forgive from your heart. You can forgive them from your heart, and God and Christ can set you free. Some of you have some very necessary conversations that need to happen when we leave here today. Necessary conversations that need to happen this week. Soon. Because, again, unforgiveness is just a jail that you put yourself in. It's unnecessary. Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to own up to that, guys? There is freedom for that and power to do that in Jesus' name. It is necessary. I just want you in the future, when you find yourself in this scenario, whether with anger or unforgiveness, just treat it like a game of hot potato. You ever played hot potato when you were a kid? What's the game of hot potato? The second you get it, get rid of it quick, right? The second you hold it, get rid of it quick. Why? Because if you're holding the hot potato, you're what? You're out. You're burned, Right? If you play with real hot potatoes, guys, geez, but you know, but right, that's the idea. If you hold a hot potato, you hold something hot enough, it burns you, but you can get and go, get and go, get and go, get and go, get and go. Every time somebody hurts you, ask God to forgive you and forgive them. You want to deal with it because the longer you hold on that, that offense, the longer you hold on to that anger, the longer you hold on to whatever that is, even if it's you, you're just going to get burned. But there is healing in Jesus' name when you hand that to Him, hand it over, guys. Ask God to forgive you. There is a, a quote from C.S. Lewis I love, and it says this, if we can put it up. I think it says this. C.S. Lewis says, if not, I'll just quote it to you. He says, as Christians, we must forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in us. We must forgive because God has forgiven. And there was one person in the Bible in which there was a woman that had sinned a lot and, and she had uh, done so much and God, Jesus had forgiven her and she felt love and accepted. And she did this massive display in front of everybody. And everybody was like, oh my gosh, who is this woman? What is she doing? She's crying at Jesus's feet and she's washing her, her, uh, his feet with her hair as a sign of humility and gratitude and humbleness. I mean, she's just in love with the fact that she knew this was God and she knew that God, I can, I can be forgiven of this. There's hope for me. And it was just love pouring out, love pouring out. And somebody looks at the scenario and looks at her and, and then Jesus tells her and says this crazy statement. He says from time to time, your sins have been forgiven. And one person talks under his breath sarcastically. <laughs> Who is this man that he can forgive sins? Who is this man that he can forgive sins was 
He said it sarcastically. I dare you to ask that question seriously today. Who is this God that can forgive sins? Who is this God that can forgive us of our sins? Remember, he was, this, this angers him. This is a serious thing. But yet his anger burns because his love for you burns. It's rooted in love. Who is this? Who is this man who can forgive sins? He is the one who died on the cross for you so that our sins can be paid in full and forgiven. Who is this man who can forgive sin? He is not just a man, but he was fully God, fully man, who not only died for our sins, but rose from the dead, conquering sin and death so that we can find hope, so that we can have life. Who is this man? This man that can forgive sins is the one that holds the keys of, of hell itself in his hands. He is the King of kings, the Lord and Lord, mighty God, Prince of Peace. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And his name is Jesus. And in here, and if Jesus is saying in the prayer, ask to be forgiven, it's because the, the answer should be, it's, should be known. If Jesus is daring us to pray, ask to be forgiven, it's because the answer is assumed. He's going to say yes, no matter what that is. Who is this man who can forgive this? It's the only one true God who not only forgives us of our sins, but gives us grace to be able to forgive others. Let's pray.